On February 6th, we commemorate the afterfeast of the meeting of our Lord in the Temple. St. Bucolus, Bishop of Smyrna, St. Photius, Patriarch of Constantinople, Venerable Barsanufius the Great and John the Prophet, Virgin Martyr Dorothy at Caesarea in Cappadocia and those with her, Martyr Julian of Emesa, Virgin Martyr Fausta and Martyrs Evilasius and Maximus at Cizicus, Virgin Martyrs Martha and Mary and their brother Lucarion in Egypt, St. Arsenius of Icalto, Georgia, and St. Amand, Abbot of Mastiff. St. Bucolos, Bishop of Smyrna, was a disciple of the Holy Apostle and Evangelist John the Theologian and became the first Bishop of Smyrna in Asia Minor. By the grace of God, St. Bucolos converted many of the pagans to Christ and baptized them as a wise and experienced guide. He defended his flock from the darkness of heresy. He died in peace between the years 100 and 105. He entrusted his flock to St. Polycarp, commemorated on February 23rd, one of the Apostolic Fathers, who was also disciple of the Holy Apostle John the Theologian, at the grave of St. Buclos, grew a myrtle tree, which healed the sick. St. Photius, Patriarch of Constantinople, the Church's far-gleaming beacon, lived during the 9th century and came from a family of zealous Christians. His father Sergius died as a martyr in defense of holy icons. St. Photius received an excellent education, and since his family was related to the imperial house, he occupied the position of first state secretary in the Senate. His contemporaries said of him, He so distinguished himself with knowledge in almost all the secular sciences, that it rightfully might be possible to take into account the glory of his age and compare it with the ancients. Michael the young successor to the throne, and Saint Cyril, the future enlightener of the Slavs, were taught by him. His deep Christian piety protected Saint Photius, from being seduced by the charms of court life. With all his soul he yearned for monasticism. In 857, Bardas, who ruled with Emperor Michael, deposed Patriarch Ignatius, commemorated on October 23rd, from the See of Constantinople. The bishops, knowing the piety and extensive knowledge of Photius, informed the emperor that he was a man worthy to occupy the archpastoral throne. St. Photius accepted the proposal with humility, he passed through all the clerical ranks in six days. On the day of the Nativity of Christ, he was consecrated bishop and elevated to the patriarchal throne. Soon, however, discord arose within the church, stirred up by the removal of Patriarch Ignatius from office. The Synod of 861 was called to end the unrest at which the deposition of Ignatius and the installation of Photius as Patriarch were confirmed. Pope Nicholas I, whose envoys were present at this council, hoped that by recognizing Photius as Patriarch, he could subordinate him to his power. When the new Patriarch proved unsubmissive, Nicholas anathematized Photius at a Roman council. Until the end of his life, St. Photius was a firm opponent of papal intrigues and designs upon the Orthodox Church of the East. In 864, Bulgaria voluntarily converted to Christianity. The Bulgarian prince, Boris, was baptized by Patriarch Photius himself. Later, St. Photius sent an archbishop and priest to baptize the Bulgarian people. In 865, St. Cyril and Methodius were sent to preach Christ in the Slavonic language. However, the partisans of the Pope incited the Bulgarians against the Orthodox missionaries. The calamitous situation in Bulgaria developed because an invasion by the Germans forced them to seek help in the West. 
and the Bulgarian prince requested the Pope to send his bishops. When they arrived in Bulgaria, the papal legates began to substitute land teachings and customs in place of Orthodox belief and practice. St. Photius, as a firm defender of truth and denouncer of falsehood, wrote an encyclical informing the Eastern bishops of the Pope's actions, indicating that departure of the Roman Church from Orthodoxy was not only in ritual but also in its confession of faith. A council was convened, centering the arrogance of the West. In 867, Basil the Macedonian seized the imperial throne after murdering the Emperor Michael. St. Photius denounced the murderer and would not permit him to partake of the holy mysteries of Christ. Therefore, he was removed from the patriarchal throne and locked in a monastery under guard, and Patriarch Ignatius was restored to his position. The Synod of 869 met to investigate the conduct of St. Photius. This council took place with the participation of papal legates, who demanded that the participants sign a document, a libellus, condemning Photius and recognizing the primacy of the Pope. The Eastern bishops would not agree to this, and argued with the legates. Summoned to the council, St. Photius met all the accusations of the legates with a dignified silence. Only when the judges asked him whether he wished to repent did he reply, Why do you consider yourselves judges? After long disputes, the opponents of Photius were victorious. Although their judgment was baseless, they anathematized Patriarch Photius and the bishops defending him. The saint was sent to prison for seven years, and by his own testimony, he thanked the Lord for patiently enduring his judges. During this time, the Latin clergy were expelled from Bulgaria, and Patriarch Ignatius sent his bishops there. In 879, two years after the death of Patriarch Ignatius, another council was summoned. Many consider it the Eighth Ecumenical Council. And again, St. Photius was acknowledged as the lawful archpastor of the Church of Constantinople. Pope John VIII, who knew Photius personally, declared through his envoys that the former papal decisions about Photius were annulled. The council acknowledged the unalterable character of the Nicene-Constantinople Creed, rejecting the Latin distortion filioque, and acknowledging the independence and equality of both thrones and both churches, Western and Eastern. The council decided to abolish Latin usages and rituals in the Bulgarian church introduced by the Roman clergy who ended their activities there. Under Emperor Basil's successor, Leo, St. Photius again endured false denunciations and was accused of speaking against the emperor. Again deposed from his see in 886, the saint completed the course of his life in 891. He was buried at the monastery of Eremia. The Orthodox Church venerates St. Photius as a pillar and foundation of the Church, an inspired guide of the Orthodox and a wise theologian. He left behind several works exposing the errors of the Latins, refuting soul-destroying heresies, explicating Holy Scripture, and exploring many aspects of the faith. St. Barsanufius the Great and John the Prophet lived during the 6th century during the reign of the Emperor Justinian I, 483-565. They lived in asceticism at the monastery of Abba Seridus in Palestine, near the city of Gaza. St. Barsanufius was born in Egypt. The year of his birth is unknown. From his youth he began to lead an ascetic life, arriving at the Cenobitic monastery of Abba Seridus. He built a small cell outside the monastery. Here he lived in solitude. Later, St. John, disciple of St. Barsanufius, lived in this cell for 18 years until his death. St. John imitated his teacher in the silence, ascetic deeds, and in virtue. Because of his gift of clairvoyance, he was known as the prophet. After a certain time, St. Barsanufius built another cell near the monastery. 
At the beginning of his solitude, the monastery sent him only three loaves of bread per week. He dwelt for fifty years in work in ascetic deeds. When Patriarch Eustochius of Jerusalem heard about the ascetical life of St. Barsanufius, it seemed unbelievable to him. He wanted to see Barsanufius for himself, so he and his companions tried to dig under the wall and to enter the monk's cell from beneath. Those attempting to enter were almost burned by flames suddenly bursting forth from the cell. In his hermitage, St. Barsanufius devoted himself entirely to prayer, and he attained a high degree of spiritual perfection. We have manuscript accounts about the life, the deeds, and talents of St. Barsanufius and John. During this lifetime of St. Paisius Velichokovsky, commemorated on November 15th, they were translated into the Moldavian and Slavonic languages. The publication of these manuscripts and also their translation into the Russian language was done in the 19th century by the elders of Optina's entry of the Theotokos Monastery. The precepts of St. Barsanufius and John clearly show the degree of their moral perfection and their love for people, but contain scant facts about their lives. We do not know exactly when St. Barsanufius died. Some sources say the year of his death was 563, others say more cautiously before the year 600. After spending a long time in his seclusion, St. Barsanufius thereafter, and until death of St. John, the prophet, began to serve others by instructing them on the path to salvation, as Abadur Theos, commemorated on June 5th, testifies. St. Barsanufius replied to questioners through St. John, sometimes instructing him to give the answers, or even through Abba Seridus, commemorated on August 13th, who wrote down the saint's answers. In the answers of St. Barsanufius and John the prophet, who were guides in spiritual life not only for their contemporaries, but also for succeeding generations. It is clearly possible to see the monk's gradual spiritual ascent from strength to strength. By deeds of fasting, silence, guarding the heart, and unceasing prayer, St. Barsanufius attained the heights of humility, reasoning, and fiery love. The Lord gave him the gifts of discernment, clairvoyance, and wonderworking. By the power of his prayers, he was able to free the souls of people from sins. Sometimes he took the sins of others upon himself. The Venerable One knew the dispositions of hearts, therefore he gave advice according to the spiritual state of each person. In the name of the Lord he raised the dead, he cast out demons, and healed incurable illnesses. Things that he blessed received divine power and grace. For example, kukol or furrow weed took away a monk's headache. Even the name of Abba Brasanufius, when invoked mentally, gave help to those who called upon it. Through the prayers of St. Barsanufius, God sent rain upon the earth, withdrawing his wrath from the multitudes of the people. The saint's predictions always came true. Thus he predicted that a certain monk, the elder Euthemius the Silent, would be placed with him in a single grave, which indeed came to pass. St. Barsanufius acquired these gifts after many years of patiently enduring great temptations and illness. Besides the orthodox ascetic Barsanufius the Great, there was another Barsanufius, a monophysite heretic, Sophronius, patriarch of Jerusalem, anathematized him and his confession of faith sent to the Sixth Ecumenical Council. We do not know when St. Barsanufius arrived at the monastery of Abba Seridus, nor anything about the home and family of St. John the Prophet. Following the instructions of St. Barsanufius, John attained the heights of perfection and became like his teacher in all things. Out of humility he sent those who came to him with questions to Abba Barsanufius. St. John foresaw and predicted many things, even his own death a week after the death of Abba Seredus. Abba Elian, the young Igumen of this monastery, begged John to remain with him for two more weeks in order to teach him the rule 
and how to govern the monastery. St. John fulfilled his request and died after two weeks. St. Barsanufius the Great survived his disciple and friend, but after St. John's death embraced complete silence and refused to give answers to anyone. These two ascetics have left the sole profiting book, Guidance Towards Spiritual Life, Answers to the Questions of Disciples by the Holy Monastic Fathers Barsanufius and John as their spiritual legacy. This book was known to many saints who lived at a later time, as evidenced by the writings of St. Theodore the Studite, commemorated on November 11th and January 26th, the Hiermark Nikon Chernogorets, 1060, St. Simeon the New Theologian, commemorated on March 12th, and other Orthodox ascetics and writers. The Holy Martyr Dorothy, the Martyrs Christina, Callista, and the martyr Theophilus lived in Caesarea of Cappadocia and suffered under the Emperor Diocletian in either the year 288 or 300. St. Dorothy was a pious Christian maiden, distinguished by her great beauty, humility, prudence, and God-given wisdom, which astonished many. Arrested upon orders of the governor, Sapricius, she steadfastly confessed her faith in Christ and was subjected to tortures. Failing to break the will of the saint, the governor sent to her two women, the sisters Christina and Callista, who once were Christians, but fearing torture, they renounced Christ and began to lead impious lives. He ordered them to get St. Dorothy to offer sacrifice to the pagan gods, but just the reverse happened. St. Dorothy convinced them that the mercy of God is granted to all who repent, so they corrected themselves and returned to Christ. The tormentors tied them back to back and buried them in a fat of tar. Through martyrdom, Christina and Callista atoned for their sin of apostasy receiving from God not only forgiveness, but crowns of victory. St. Dorothy was again subjected to tortures, but she gladly endured them and accepted the death of the sentence. She cried out with joy, thanking Christ for calling her to paradise and to the heavenly bridal chamber. As they led the saint to execution, Theophilus, one of the governor's counselors, laughed and said to her, Bride of Christ, send me an apple and some roses from the paradise of your bridegroom. The martyr nodded and said, I shall do that. At the place of execution, the saint requested a little time to pray. When she finished the prayer, an angel appeared before her in the form of a handsome child, presenting her three apples and three roses on a pure linen cloth. The saint requested that these be given to Theophilus, after which she was beheaded by the sword. Having received the gracious gift, the recent mocker of Christians was shaken, and he confessed Christ as the true God. His friends were astonished and wondered whether he was joking or perhaps mad. He assured them he was not joking. Then they asked the reason for this sudden change. He asked what month it was. February, they replied. In the winter, Cappadocia is covered with ice and frost, and the trees are bare of leaves. What do you think? From where do these apples and flowers come? After being subjected to cruel tortures, St. Theophilus was beheaded with a sword. The relics of St. Dorothy are in Rome, in the church dedicated to her, and her head is also at Rome, in the church of the Mother of God, at Trastevere. The holy martyr Julian was a native of the Phoenician city of Emesa, and he suffered in the year 312 under the Emperor Maximian. He was a skilled physician and healed illnesses not only of the body but also of the soul, and he converted many people to faith in Christ the Savior. When they led away the holy martyrs, Bishop Silvanus, Deacon Luke, and the reader Motius, commemorated on February 29th, to be eaten by wild beasts, Julian encouraged them and urged them not to fear death for the Lord. He 
was also arrested and put to death. His head, hands, and feet were pierced with long nails. The holy martyrs Fausta and Velasius and Maximus suffered during the persecution against Christians by the Emperor Diocletian in the city of Cyzicus, Mezium, between 305 and 311. St. Fausta was raised by Christian parents, orphaned at a young age. She led a strict and virtuous life. Word that she was a Christian reached the governor, and the saint was sent to the 80-year-old pagan priest, Evilasius, who was ordered to turn the saint away from Christ. The girl bravely confessed her faith and was subjected to many cruel tortures. Strengthened by the Lord, she did not feel pain. They locked her up in a wooden trunk. However, the torturers got tired of trying to saw it, and they burnt it in the fire. The holy martyr and even the trunk remained unharmed, guarded by divine power. The pagan priest, Evilasius, was shaken by the evident and manifest power of God. He believed in the Savior and confessed himself a Christian. The eparch Maximus was sent to investigate the matter for the emperor, and he began to torture the old man who had come to believe in Christ. Evilasius turned to St. Fausta and asked her to pray for him, after which he bravely endured the tortures. They threw St. Fausta to be eaten by vultures, but the creatures would not touch her. A thirteen-year-old girl was pierced with nails, driven into her head and other parts of her body. Finally, they threw her into a boiling cauldron with St. Evilasius. During this time, the martyrs prayed for their tortures. Seeing the faith and endurance of the saints, the eparch Maximus also was converted to Christ and prayed to God for the forgiveness of his sins. Thrown into the same cauldron in which St. Fausta and Evilasius suffered, he shared with them the crown of martyrdom. The Holy Virgin Martyrs Martha and Mary were sisters who lived in Asia Minor and fervently desired to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. Once, a pagan military commander marched past their house. The sisters went out to him and loudly declared that they were Christians. At first, the commander paid no attention to them, but they persistently shouted after him, repeating their confession. They were arrested together with their brother Lycarion. All three were crucified, and during the execution their mother came to them, encouraging them in their sufferings for Christ. The sisters were pierced with spears, and Lycarion was beheaded by the sword. St. Arsene of Icalto was a translator, researcher, compiler of manuscripts, hymnographer, philosopher, and a great defender of the Georgian Christian faith. His father was Ibadi Vaknazi, a wise, learned man and a fluent speaker of the Greek language. He directed the academy at Icalto Monastery and was an instructor of Holy King David the Restorer. Few details about the life of St. Arsene have been preserved, but we know that he lived in the 11th and 12th centuries and was a younger contemporary of St. Aprem Lesser. He received both his primary and higher education in Byzantine at Magna Monastery, which had been founded by the Byzantine Emperor Constantine IX Monomachus, 1042 to 1055. At the academy, he completed one of his most important projects, a translation of the Byzantine historian George Hamartolos' Chronicle. Hamartolos' work is a nine-volume account of history from Adam to the year A.D. 842. Also at Mangana, Arson translated a volume of dogmatic, polemical writings into Georgian and called his work Dogmatikon. In the years that followed, works translated by other authors were added to the book. After completing his studies at Mangana Monastery, 
Arson moved to the Black Mountains near Antioch to continue his labors under the guidance of St. Aprem the Lesser. Following St. Aprem's repose, he returned to Mangana Monastery to continue his translations. In 1114, King David the Restorer summoned Arson back to Georgia, to the Galati Academy in the West. It was there that he translated the Nomokanon, a Byzantine collection of ecclesiastical law, from the original Greek into Georgian. Arson later returned to Kakheti in eastern Georgia, where he founded an academy in Ikalto Monastery. He also participated in the Council of Ruisi Urbnisi, which had been conveyed by King David the Restorer. One of King David's biographers writes that he invited Arsen of Ikalto, translator and interpreter of the Greek and Georgian languages and enlightener of many churches. Arsen was present at the repose of King David the Restorer, and it is believed that he composed the king's epitaph. I fed seven kings with my wealth, drove the Turks, Persians, and Arabs from our borders, moved the fish from one river to another, and having accomplished all these things, lay my hands upon my heart to die. The theologian, philosopher, physicist, anatomist, writer of allegories and verses, epic poet, and compiler of church typica. Arson was buried in Ikalto next to St. Zenon, the founder of Ikalto Monastery.